reading Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Psalm 67. One of my favorite things about the faith of the scriptures, the faith that's held out for us in the word, a faith that was revealed to the Israelite people by the Lord's own self-revelation. One of my favorite things uh, about the scriptures that's been taken up from generation to generation throughout redemption history, that according to the merciful providence of God has come now to the ends of the earth through the preaching of the gospel. One of my favorite things about the faith of this scripture is that we have inherited this concept of the benediction. The benediction. The word benediction is actually a Latin word. It's a compound word that means simply well saying. Bene, which means good, and dict is word. So it's a good word. It's a well saying. In Hebrew, it's simply referred to as a blessing. And benediction is not only a a few words spoken at the end of a congregational gathering for worship that the kids of the service, I might note, have memorized so well that they say it even before I'm able to get to it at the end of the service, right? You guys ready? We'll do that at the end of the service. We'll be there. But the benediction is actually a constant practice throughout the the daily life of the faithful Israelite that will speak a blessing in the midst of every activity. In this way, there's no artificial distinction between the supposed sacred and the supposed secular moment. No, there is no moment in which the Lord is not present and active, that we are not dependent upon his providential blessing for any fruitfulness. In the benediction, the blessing, the the faithful call out to God in the moments of his or her day in the knowledge that God is today in this moment, no matter how mundane or ordinary or glorious and gathered, in this moment, God is with us. And every good comes from him. And so we call out to him for good. Let's call out to him now. Heavenly Father, I pray that in this gathered moment, in this sacred moment, that we would simply remember the Lord is with us. You're with us by your word. You're with us by your spirit according to your promise. And so our expectation and our cry is, Lord, be gracious to us. Lord, bless us. Lord, cause us to praise and cause us to share good news that the peoples would praise you. Lord, I pray that you would work that desire, that need, and that that, that orientation of our heart in our hearts 
today as a people as we give attention to your word, Psalm 67, this morning. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> there are two big ideas in this psalm uh, that are deeply connected. All right? It's not difficult to see that the order of the message this morning, the psalm, is a blessing, a cry for blessing, and then the giving of the purpose for the blessing. So this morning we have the blessing, and then we have the knowledge of God. Look at verses one and two with me. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. And then it turns, it adds this, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. What I want to do is I want to spend just a moment giving observation to the shape of the benediction. Where did the blessing come from? Did the psalmist just simply make this blessing up from scratch? Is it a poetic reflection upon a generic uh, sort of biblical truth? Well, no. He actually got it somewhere. He could have put a, a little reference at the end if he felt like he needed to. He could have given us Numbers 66, chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. And you'll be familiar with this. This is known as the Aaronic blessing, the blessing that Aaron would give, the priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you, Numbers says. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Man, I I, want to just stop and unpack that. Can we just like decide to preach a different sermon for a little while? It's so profound. The very idea that we would pray and, and think it's a blessing. The Lord make his countenance, lift up his countenance upon you. That is a fearful thing for the face of God to turn in your direction, in my direction. And yet the expectation is that as he turns his powerful, holy, all-consuming fire face upon you, that somehow that would bring peace? This is an amazing blessing. The blessing calls upon the Lord to bless and to keep, to shine with grace and show his face in peace. What gives a human the right to think that God will ever turn toward us in blessing, we who have rebelled against his holy way? Well, the blessing stands upon God's own promise, or it has no right to be prayed. And certainly no hope that it would be answered in the affirmative. The blessing stands upon God's own promise. And that's such an important point. Don't miss this. As we look at Psalm 67, as we consider the nature of blessing, God's blessing is not configured around how the person deserves blessing. God's blessing is not configured around you or the people. God's blessing is dependent upon God's mercy to work blessing. God's revelation that his compassion is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. God's revelation that he has endeavored to save and to bless and to keep. That is the foundation, the only foundation 
for blessing, for crying out to God. Well, what does the Aaronic blessing lay upon? Well, we could go to a number of places, but I'm going to go to the Abrahamic blessing from Genesis chapter 12. Read that passage, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And honestly, I would argue that these are some, a couple verses you should just, maybe not, you don't have to memorize it. I don't have it memorized, but you should know Genesis 12. You should just sort of know that that's a place to go to find a foundational promise of God. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and it will make of you a great nation. Because you're amazing, Abraham. You're just so cool. And if I ever wanted to make a nation out of somebody, it'd be somebody as cool as you, Abraham. Okay, let's ad libbing just a little bit. It's not the condition of Abraham. Abraham does not, isn't traveling along, and God notices him and says, now there's a powerful people. God calls him out, singles him out, and of God's unilateral mercy and grace, blesses him. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Do you see it? I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. What is God doing in this promise? He's building a foundation for all the families of the earth, not just Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all who would follow, but building a foundation upon which all the families of the earth can cry out to the Lord, bless us, just as you promised you would do way back there in Genesis 12. This blessing brings together these two themes of of, of Psalm 67. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And what's interesting is Numbers 6 actually continues with the same idea. In that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. It continues in the next verse. It says in verse 27 so shall they put, that is the priests who are pronouncing the blessing, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. What do the nations see when they see Israel being blessed? Well, they see the name of the Lord. That's what he's putting upon them. He's not just putting his blessing, he's putting his name upon the people. And the purpose of God in blessing Israel a people is that the people who surround that people would hear and know the greatness of the Lord, that they would see that his name is great and merciful and gracious and learn to be glad and learn to sing for joy themselves in a blessing that will come through this people to all the families of the earth. Psalm 67 didn't come out of the imagination of an anonymous hymn writer. We don't know who wrote it. It doesn't say. Just says, it's to the choir master with stringed instruments. It's a psalm. It's a song. Psalm 67 stands on the ground of God's revealed nature and promise. It's an old, old, old song. It reflects both his blessing and his promise. All the benediction is 
of the Lord, by, through, and to the Lord. The benediction is not about the greatness of the people, that the peoples would who surround would praise the greatness of their name. The benediction is about the greatness and mercy of the Lord, that all who hear of his blessing would praise his name, which is upon the people. It's the shape of the blessing right here at the top. The blessing has a people and the blessing has a purpose. So let's consider more fully the first part of the psalm that is the blessing of the Lord. What is the, sh- what is the blessing that the Lord gives? Well, verse one, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Now there's something really interesting here. It's, it's in the grammar of the song. It's plural. The blessing takes place in the midst of a congregation. It is a song sung together by a people, and so it calls upon the Lord's blessing for the whole of those who sing it. The Lord bless us. May God be gracious to us. May his face shine upon us. Now, it's interesting because the ironic blessing recorded in Numbers is actually in the singular. The Lord bless you and keep you, that you in the Hebrew, you have to go and look, it's, it's actually a singular you. But it closes with those words that we just read just a moment ago. So shall they, the priests, put my name upon the people of Israel as one people. Now what this means is that the community is blessed personally, particularly the Lord bless you, and keep you. It's one of those moments in the service that I wait for. Because when I I do it, I have the privilege of, of pronouncing, not by my power, not by my authority, or anything that's sweet about you, but based on the ground of the gospel, the mercy and compassion of our God, I scan the congregation as I say it, and I make eye contact with a number of you. My favorite is to try and find the kids, to hear this that the next generation would hear of the great deeds of our God, that there is a blessing for you personally, particularly a grace upon you that you need to receive with faith and walk in the joy and praise of our God, particularly, personally. And as we exist, personally and particularly blessed, we exist as a people together. The blessed ones, the ones together, the people who bear the name. It's actually in our gospel rhythms. Some of you are familiar with our gospel rhythms, especially if you've gone through our gospel partnership course. The gospel rhythms begin, or four of them begin with celebration. We gather to celebrate our great God and his gospel. Celebration. Connection. The second It's the Lord who connects his saving power to our desperate need once and for all through the precious work of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, on the cross. So we have celebration, celebrating the story of God that connects to our lives personally and particularly in desperate need of his saving grace. Third, community. In bringing salvation, he connects us into a community, a community of the redeemed who share together in the ongoing blessing of the presence of our God. 
I have been personally and particularly redeemed. And in being redeemed, I'm redeemed into a community. A community of faith. A congregation. A gathering. And fourth, contribution. As a blessed community, personally and particularly connected to our God, and therefore connected to one another in a community, we exist not for ourselves but to contribute our lives to the making known of the greatness of our God and his gospel. So we don't exist as a consuming community, but rather as a community of contribution who make known the greatness of our God. And so it's right that we gather together, the elders, that we would speak a blessing. And so that that gracious and fullness of his blessing would touch every person here. His grace would be known and received with faith, and it's right that the people would sing a song together that confesses that we live together as a blessed people. May God be gracious to us. That when we're sent, now go and be the church. That's plural. That's, a, that's, that's one people all sent to go and be the church, that the Lord might make his blessing known to all who surround us. So what's the hope of the blessing? Well, the passage says that may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Now that make his face to shine upon us, I think is is best, uh, one of the best ways to really understand the beauty of that, his face shining upon us is to consider the opposite. That is that he would hide his face. We have a number of examples in Scripture in which the Lord hides his face. Job 13, 24, a man who went through a significant season, we'll call it, where the Lord's face was hidden. And he cries out, why do you hide your face? Count me as your enemy, Job cries. The congregation is essentially in this blessing crying out for the blessing that they would be friends of God, not enemies, friends, that they would know his blessing and not his curse. Psalm 27 verse 9 says, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. The congregation knows God's saving power. We say, we don't want to know anything but your saving power. We don't want to know anything but your pleasant disposition upon us. Have mercy. Their longing is that they would continue to know the very presence and disposition of his blessing, his saving blessing in their daily lives. Which leads us to ask, what what does that look like? What does the Lord envision when he speaks of blessing? Deuteronomy 28, another passage that would be good to sort of lock away, know how to find it quickly. What, is, what does blessing look like? In Deuteronomy 28, the Lord rec- records a list of the blessings of God's covenant. It's not a comprehensive list. It is a particular to a particular covenant, but it gives us a little bit of an idea of what the Lord has in mind when he's speaking of blessing, mercy, of his presence. It speaks of things like blessing in the city and blessing in the field. This is so important. It happens often when the word speaks of blessing. Blessing of the fruit of the womb and the fruit of the livestock and the fruit of the ground. 
there is a flourishing in this beautiful multiplication of his creation. God called it good, and he loves it when it grows. Blessing of the basket and the kneading bowl. I love this. I love how on the ground, it says that I will bless your kneading bowl. I don't know how many of you have a kneading bowl, but you have some place where you make or you get really beautiful, sweet, nourishing food. May the Lord bless this. Blessing in the barns and blessing in all your neighbors. Bless the work of your hands. Many of you have taken up that phrase and praised God for and asked for God's blessing on the work of your hands. Blessing coming in and going out. Blessing with the enemies defeated. Blessing in the land. Blessing in the giving of rain. One of the most amazing things in our time in Jerusalem was that on the last day, it rained a little. <laughs> now, I know here it rained a lot. <laughs> rain is a blessing. And, and a blessing that they would not lend but borrow from the nations. There would be a trade surplus among the people. Now, the image is that of a general flourishing of the things of daily life. That when the Lord speaks of blessing the people, he speaks of a general flourishing and multiplication of the daily kneading bowl sort of things of life. The idea is clear. The people who are called by the name of the Lord are dependent upon his grace for the daily things of life. You know what that's called? It's called faith. That's what it is. The moment-by-moment dependence upon the gracious disposition of the Lord is our heart cry for blessing, faith. Lord, I'm dependent upon you. Moment-by-moment, our need is not for the stuff of life, God. Our need is for your presence. If we had all the stuff, but we don't have you, the stuff is going to run out. We need you here. We need the presence of our God with us. We don't cry, Lord, give me stuff. We cry, my daily bread comes from you. How often? Daily. That's how often. In the moment-by-moment mundane of life, faith is called for. I live moment-by-moment in dependence upon sovereign providence. Now, it's one of my favorite words. I've been thinking about it a lot in the last six months or so. That word providence sounds like a big theological word. Oh, come on. Provide. All right? Oh, sovereign, kingly, masterful, and powerful provision. Lord, what I need is what you have. Be with us. Saving and blessing. We've talked a lot about blessing, but the psalm holds out twin activities of God. The, the, verse two, look at it with me. That your way would be made known on earth, your saving power among the nations. Now, I think that's an, an, an intentional distinction, a distinction between a general daily moment-by-moment blessing and the leveraging of God in a particular moment for saving power. Saving, miraculous intervention in moments in redemptive history. These are the moments that we have recorded for us because they're the highlights of the biblical narrative. Moments like the calling of Abraham. 
like the rescue of the Exodus, like the giving of the law, like the promise to David for an eternal dynasty that we come to know through the prophets that will involve a Messiah who will not only bless the people who trust in the Lord, but will save them from their sin and reconcile them to a holy God. This is the saving power. It's the saving power that we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about making known the mighty deeds of the Lord to the next generation. What are we making known? God gave me food yesterday. Well, that's a good thing to let him know. I prayed for our daily bread and he met our need. Children, it's good. But we also make known his saving power. We talk of Jesus Christ, his willing, merciful, compassionate, effective substitutionary death and the power of God that he rose up, taking upon himself his life and our life in him that we can have an eternal inheritance, saving power made known among the nations. But there's also blessing. I think blessing is a little different. Blessing, one of the commentators says, is the quiet, continuous action of of bringing sunshine, rain, fruitfulness to our daily toil. Blessing reflects this moment-by-moment dependence upon the Lord for the maintenance of the flourishing of our lives. We're saying, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Bless us and keep us today. Maintain the flourishing that you've purchased by your saving power. It's as the nations see God's miraculous intervention saving power, and daily dependence upon the Lord in in life and for happiness, found in the way that the Lord has given us to walk and, and given us to trust in him that the nations themselves will come to know and praise the Lord. Just a few things that we've seen about the blessing. The blessing is plural. The congregation calls upon God for a blessing for the people. The blessing calls upon the Lord to be present with them, to be their friend and to not hide his face. The blessing is God's daily providence upon which the people who are called by his name, so we bear his name. And as the way of the Lord and his saving power work among God's people, others will see and know that the Lord is good. And they too will learn to praise his name, which leads us to the second part of the psalm. For just a moment, we need to consider the knowledge of God among the nations. Well, what do the nations see? And the clarity of the psalm is verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Verse 2. That that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. What do they see, though? Well, verse 4 says, you judge the peoples with equity. You judge the peoples with equity. One commentator writes that that justice is the setting right of things that are out of order. Man, that is the redeeming justice of God. That justice finds its fulcrum, finds its justice in the one who is both the just and the justifier, Jesus Christ. It's by Jesus Christ that he is able to set things right that are out of order. And the nations see that he is judged with equity. Verse 4 continues. And guide the nations upon the earth. No nation is exalted above the Lord. 
and his revealed purposes. No nation. He guides them. He doesn't have to maneuver around their maneuverings. He is the guide. The Philistines, Babylonians, whomever, they can fit and rage. They even work according to God's providence for judgment upon an unfaithful people. But they themselves will be judged by the Lord because he guides the nations. The Lord is not a mere local deity. He is a guide for the nations. And if they will listen to him, if they will listen and they will see what his work is through history, he will be a sure guide to all who will learn his ways. We would do well to learn the ways of the one who guides the nations. Third thing that the nations see is actually in verse 6. The earth has yielded its increased. God, our God, shall bless us. They see God's blessing. It's not only nations that rise and fall according to the providence of the Lord. The, the earth itself is dependent upon the Lord for its increase. You see, verse 6, the earth has yielded its increase. When the, when the earth, when creation reproduces itself, the nations ought to look and see and say, there is a good God behind all of this. The nations look in and see God's work among his people, the Israelite people who bear his name, and they see flourishing. Those who descend from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and who walk in faith-filled dependence upon his presence and the blessing of the Lord are a testimony to all the nations who will humble themselves to look and see God's blessing among them. And so many of the nations, when Solomon was king, saw the blessing of the Lord. And so many of the nations came and praised God for what he was doing among the people. What's the result? It's not merely that the nations would know, wow, God's really powerful for that people. Whew, better watch out. It's that the nations would be glad and sing for joy. Look at verse four. Let the nations be glad and not just know but be glad. The result of God's daily activity among his people is that all may look and see that God is good, that his way is just, and his power is great. And there's something that happens in this psalm. We have a movement from people to peoples. We have a movement from one people to plural peoples. Abraham, Aaron's blessing is upon the people of Israel, one people that the name of the Lord would be upon that people. May God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face to shine upon us. But verse three speaks of this, let the peoples praise you. Not one people, not us, all. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. It's repeated in verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. When will God's blessing be upon his people? Well, if we read the prophets, we see that what God is doing is he is taking a people, and out from among that people descended from Abraham who received that promise, that through him there would be a blessing for all the families, all the peoples 
of the earth. When will the Lord guide the nations and bring the ends of the earth to fill him? When to fear him? When will that happen? Well, the heart of the blessing is that the Lord would dwell in the midst of the people, isn't it? And make his face to shine upon us. That he would make his face known to them. Well, speaking of Jesus, the beloved son, Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 says, For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. When? When will this be that there will be a movement from people to peoples? Oh, when when the blessing is fulfilled, when his face shines upon us and he dwells with us in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Psalm 67 is powerfully poetic and hopeful. It leans along with the testimony of God's covenants throughout history forward to a day when God's face would be manifest not only among a people, but among all peoples, not only among a nation, but among the nations that the nations would not only see and tremble, but they would be glad and sing for joy. It's not a new thing. It's not a new thing that foreign nations and foreign persons would come to worship the Lord. I mean, you can just think of of Rahab or Ruth, the Moabitess. Through the work of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and the preaching of his gospel, this narrow way that has at moments happened in history, has been thrown open to the nations that the mighty works of God in his gospel would be proclaimed that all who would submit to his way by faith would be reconciled to God and they too would become bearers of the name, would be recipients of saving power and blessing. It's through Christ and his gospel that the ends of the earth have learned to fear the Lord, to know his saving power and the hope of his blessing, that he could look on us with grace and peace. Friends, I need to close with just a few implications. The first implication, I think, in this psalm, there's so many we could name, is to be blessed by God is to carry the name of the Lord. Serious business. Who doesn't want blessing? You want to bless me? Go ahead, bless me. I mean, I'm not going to stop you, you know? But to be blessed by God is to be a bearer of his holy, powerful, divine name. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The hope of the blessing is that the Lord's face would shine upon us and the holy God, the consuming fire, would be in our midst. That's serious business, church. The result, the purpose is that God would make himself known to all who would see the blessing. Friends, to to be blessed is to be put in a very serious situation. So Lord, bless us. Keep us. Make your face to shine upon us 
And we know that means that we bear the holy name that is so often hated and that the world knows so little of. And we would bear that name that they too might know your power and blessing. I think secondly, it's right to seek a flourishing community. It doesn't feel kind of selfish, you know. God bless me. <laughs> no, don't bless me. Don't bless me. I know you're God. I know you're good. I'll just be poor and, and, I, and we won't flourish. Well, that's the more humble thing to do, right? Well, that's not the pattern of Scripture. The pattern of Scripture is to cry out to the Lord for blessing. It's right to seek a flourishing community. To pray blessing is to confess. This is so important. To pray a blessing is to confess that there is such a thing as a beautiful way. There is such a thing as a flourishing thing. There is such a thing as a good, God-ordained, sovereignly provided for, flourishing design, even if we so rarely see it. There is a confession hidden in the blessing that broken things really are broken. The things that we mourn, the things that we lose, the things that we suffer ought to be mourned, ought to be called loss, really are actual suffering. And so out of that place, we say, Lord, bless us. There's a beautiful, flourishing way. And that's your good design. And I know that is your perfect end. So confess it. Confess the beauty of God's design by calling out for blessing. Drought and famine is not the proper order of creation. Barrenness, sickness is cause for sorrow. And so we say, Lord, bless us. Turn your face toward us. We're right to mourn these things, even if God's often hidden purposes are right there in the midst of the brokenness. We still cry, Lord, we know the perfection of your design. We long for it. We groan with creation for it. There is a confession in the blessing that fruitfulness and increase and justice and flourishing are actually good. They're actually good. Don't be afraid of it. Call it good. They're worth our attention and our prayer. And while we live in a world that's broken by sin and suffers under the curse, there remains a beautiful way to live and to flourish in this world, even as we long for final redemption when all things are made new. This is the already and the not yet that we live in. We cry out, Lord, bless us, even as we suffer under the reality of brokenness, sin, curse. And we know, we long for that fullness of redemption design. Blessing is not our God. The good life is not our God. Human flourishing is not our God. Justice and increase is not our God. But our God is a God who blesses. Those who call upon his name and are daily filled with a faithful dependence that his way and his blessing is actually good. And it reorients our heart to love beautiful things and not wallow merely in broken things, to lift up the light of our spirits as his beautiful light shines on us. Third implication, 
The saving power of the Lord among the nations is explicitly the purpose of Jesus and his gospel. This is not a generic psalm that ought to be tossed aside. It's not an Old Testament psalm that says, yes, that was interesting to pray for God's blessing among the nations. No, this is a a psalm that finds its pinnacle in Jesus Christ and his gospel. Explicitly so, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Explicitly proclaim the gospel. Good news, blessing and saving power. The blessing of the Lord does not create a stagnant people who hoard the blessings in a bloated life of consumption. That's gross. A gospel rhythms that ends in a bloated community is gross. And not the way of blessing, not the way of our God, and not his beautiful design, but a community who gives their lives away. Like Matthew 28, verse 19, the Great Commission. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, what? And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What's the hope of the blessing? That the Lord's gracious presence would be with us. This is the promise of Jesus himself. As he sends us to give ourselves away as we are blessed and we turn that blessing into proclamation of the saving power and blessing of our God, he says, I'm gonna fulfill that last one. I will make the light of my countenance not just be upon you, but be in you by my spirit. And I will send you with my word and it will increase and multiply in the midst of the nations. We get God. We get the blessing. As we go, he's with us to the end of the age. God, our God. Verse verse six, God, our God shall bless us. This psalm is a blessing that's so deeply personal. The Lord who blesses us is our God. He's mine. I'm his. Is he your God? Is that true? Do you know that you can call out to him because he is your friend? Is that true? At the heart of faith is dependence upon the Lord alone. Alone, singularly. We've seen this in the daily dependence for blessing, but faith has also a dependence upon the Lord for forgiveness of sin. It's a confession that we cannot save ourselves. Is he your God? Is he the one who has forgiven you of your sin? Is he yours? It's a trust that his mighty work and saving power is actually sufficient to cleanse you and reconcile you to your God. I call you this morning, everyone, to cry out to the Lord, to cry out for his blessing, his keeping, his grace, and his blessing that his face would shine upon you. But this morning, if you have not cried out to the Lord in faith for for the forgiveness of sin, today is that day. There is no blessing for you 
There is no blessing for anyone that is not found in our union with Jesus Christ. Today is the day to cry out and say, God, you are my God. And because you are my God, God, our God, shall bless us. Heavenly Father, your grace. Man, that beautiful word that is throughout the whole of the scriptures finds such poignant, particular reality in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have that mystery that's wrapped up in that word, gracious exploding with mysterious power in Christ. Be gracious to us. Lord, I pray that you would redeem this morning for the one who is still wrestling in rebellion, a failure to confess sin, that would not cry out to you for forgiveness of sin, that today will be the day that the wrestling and the rebellion ceases. And that one would cry out to you in faith, Lord, forgive of sin. Reconcile this one to yourself. Make a disciple of the nations this morning in that soul. And Lord, for the whole of the congregation, bless us. Let us know you. Let us know your presence. And, 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 and turn us to overflow with a, a song level, heart cry desire that the nations would be blessed through us. May your gospel go out from this place, whether it be in South Africa or in Mongolia or Williamsburg or Washington, or Cape Canaveral or Jupiter or Orlando. Go out and to many more places. Send us as we send partners out this morning that we love. We don't want to send them. We want to keep them. But Lord, you've sent, and they are in some ways our contribution that we would be willing to send that others would know and would be benefit from their going. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing, for your design, for your order. I pray that you would fill us up with this psalm during the course of this week and in many weeks to come. Thank you, God. We pray all of these things in Jesus, the, the, the pinnacle of blessing and saving and keeping. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.